0: Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Our text for this morning is in Acts chapter 14 and verse 22. We must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. God's people have their trials. It was never designed by God when He chose His people that they should be an untried people. They were chosen in the furnace of affliction. They were never chosen to worldly peace and earthly joy. Freedom from sickness and the pains of mortality was never promised them. But when their Lord drew up the charter of privileges, He included chastisements among the things to which they should inevitably be heirs. Trials are a part of our lot. They were predestinated for us in God's solemn decrees and bequeathed us in Christ's last legacy, so surely as the stars are fashioned by his hands and their orbits fixed by him, so surely are our trials allotted to us. He has ordained their season and their place, their intensity, and the effect they shall have upon us. Good men must never expect to escape troubles. If they do, they will be disappointed, for none of their predecessors have been without them. Mark the patience of Job. Remember Abraham, for he had his trials and by his faith under them he became the father of the faithful. Note well the biographies of all the patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and you shall discover none of those whom God made vessels of mercy who were not made to pass through the fire of affliction. It is ordained of old that the cross of trouble should be engraven on every vessel of mercy, as the royal mark whereby the king's vessels of honor are distinguished." But although tribulation is thus the path of God's children, they have the comfort of knowing that their Master has traversed it before them. They have His presence and sympathy to cheer them, His grace to support them, and His example to teach them how to endure. And when they reach the kingdom, it will more than make amends for the much tribulation through which they passed to enter it. Thank you. Every so often here on Let the Bible Speak, we've mentioned Q&A with Alan Cairns. These are video clips of Dr. Cairns giving biblical answers to a variety of questions. These include, Why did Christ have to become a man? Why does a good God allow suffering? Or, What is the unpardonable sin? In all, Dr. Cairns responds to over 50 such concerns— All of these video clips are available on the ltbsradio.com website. In addition, we're happy to be able to provide you, free of charge, a DVD containing all of these video portions, about five hours of guidance from God's Word for problems which face the 21st century Christian. You may have a copy simply by requesting it. Just ask for the DVD, Q&A with Alan Cairns, you may email us at info at org, That's info at org. You may call us at 864 244 2408. That's 864 244 2408. Or if you wish, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Here's an excellent way to provide scriptural answers to family and friends regarding the challenging questions facing believers in this day. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in The Life and Earthly Ministry of Christ, he commences a message entitled, Christ in the Valley of Griefs. Coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord Jesus was confronted by a sorrowing father whose son was possessed by a demon. Unable to find help from the disciples, he turned to Christ with the words, If you can do anything, help us. Jesus turned his question around, saying, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Then he said, Bring him to me. This scene encapsulates the human condition. In their misery, people find no help in men. The only answer lies in coming to Christ. He alone can meet the needs of broken, sin-ravaged hearts. As the Scripture says, With God nothing shall be impossible. Now here is Dr. Cairns to introduce this message, Christ in the Valley of Griefs.
1: We turn this morning as we continue the studies in the life of Christ to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. We're going to commence reading at verse 14 to the end of verse 29. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when they saw him, straightway the Spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire, and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, And he arose, and when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his precious word for his name's sake. It was a sad sight that met our Lord Jesus on his descent from the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples were trying in vain to cast an evil spirit out of a boy whose father had brought him for healing. The scribes were gathered around and they were taunting and questioning, but the more the disciples attempted to do the miracle, the more they were frustrated, and they were entirely at their wit's end. So as the Lord Jesus came, he had a double reason for sadness. Not only with his natural compassion was he moved at the sight of the boy's plight and his father's pain— But he must also have been deeply grieved—in fact, we know he was deeply grieved—at the spiritual failure of his own disciples, who could not cast this foul spirit out. So much was he grieved that he either spoke entirely to them or at least included them in his scathing denunciation— O oh, faithless or unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Or quite colloquially, how long am I going to put up with you? He had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. There there was the glory. Moses and Elijah meeting him and speaking with him of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. The disciples overwhelmed at the sight, the preview of the glory of their Redeemer on account of all that he had done in his life and would do in his death. Now at once he comes down from heaven on earth to confront the powers of hell on earth, from glory. He immediately descended into what I can only term the valley of grief. Now, this is a history, a history of an actual event in the life of Christ, but it is much more than the history of a single event. Here I think you have a painting, a word painting of the world. Clarence McCartney perhaps one of the last of the great Presbyterian preachers in America, describes the scene at the foot of the Mount of Transfiguration with the poor demoniac boy gnashing his teeth, foaming and wallowing in his convulsions when the demon tore him. And he describes that scene as a terrible epitome of the misery And woe, and sorrow, and degradation of mankind. I'm not a lover of pictures of Christ, but I must say that I was greatly interested by McCartney's description of a picture he had gone to see during his tour of Europe. Raphael's last and what McCartney thought perhaps his greatest ever work of art. It was his painting of the Transfiguration. Clarence McCartney described it as follows, floating in the heavens, above is the form of the Savior, with Moses on his left and Elijah on his right. On the level below are the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, just rising themselves from slumber and shielding their eyes with their hands from the effulgence of the glory of the transfigured Christ. In the third level, on the plain below, is the poor demoniac boy, with his mouth wide open in his ravings. At his side, his distracted father, and around them the rest of the disciples, some of whom are pointing upward to Christ, transfigured in the cloud, as if to express the idea that he alone can help the father and his afflicted son. What a picture— Well, indeed, might an artist bring together what was happening in the mount with what was happening in the valley below. Well, indeed, might he draw attention to this awful contrast between the glory of Christ's accomplishments celebrated in heaven... And the grief caused by man's sin endured on earth. And well, indeed, might the disciples point a sorrowing father and a suffering son to the Lord Jesus Christ alone, the sole hope of all men. For the great truth, and I think perhaps the artist was trying to get this, Certainly a preacher should not miss it. The great truth is that though to our eyes and to our sensibilities there is a world of difference between the glory on the mount and the grief in the valley, yet he was the same Christ down there in the depths of the valley of grief as he was up there on the mount of glory That's why he commanded when he came to this awful scene, bring him unto me. I think those are some of the most beautiful words our Lord Jesus ever spoke. Here are men, both his own disciples and others who were not, distracted with grief and sorrow at their wit's end, not knowing where to turn. And he commands with all his authority and yet with all his compassion, bring him unto me. That was a prospect that very clearly disturbed Satan, for we read in verse 20 when he saw him, that is when the boy inhabited by this foul spirit saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground wallowed and wallowed foaming. Questioning the boy's father, the Lord Jesus asked, how long has he been like this? He says, since he was a child, and oftentimes this spirit has cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. And then he said, if thou canst do anything if thou canst do anything, have pity on us. Do what you can. The Lord Jesus Christ's response was penetrating. For Verse 23 says, if thou canst believe. Do you notice how he turns it around? In other words, gently but very, very forcibly, the Lord Jesus was saying to this man, look, it is not a matter if I can do anything. The question is, if you can believe. Because, says the Lord Jesus, if thou canst believe... All things are possible to him that believeth. The father's answer was immediate. It was honest and it was heartrending. Immediately he says, Lord, I believe. After all, that's why he was there. He came to meet with Christ. He brought his son, we don't know how far or with what difficulty, but he brought him in order that he would meet with Christ. So certainly he could say, I believe. But yet in his honesty, as he looked at the failure of Christ's disciples, he saw all that they had done. He heard all that they had said. He had listened to their praying and their commanding the devil to come out, and it was all to none effect. He saw their failure. And so, even though he came because he believed, says, help thou mine unbelief. There is a sermon for Christians that I don't have time to preach. How people's view of Christ is injured and weakened by the failures they see in the lives of his people. Help thou mine unbelief. And you know, the beauty of this is that that was good enough for the Saviour. This was very imperfect faith, but it was faith. If the Lord Jesus were going to wait until he encountered perfect faith before he would act in our behalf, would he ever act? If he were waiting for perfect faith from you or perfect faith from me, if he were waiting for perfect love or perfect repentance or perfect anything from you or me, before he acted, he would never do anything for us. Here, with this distracted father expressing but an imperfect faith, the Lord Jesus immediately acted. He delivered the boy from the devil, from his dumbness, from his deafness. And as Luke tells us, he then gave him back to his Father. That's one of the loveliest touches in the story that's given in the three synoptic Gospels. The Father brought him to Jesus, and he gave him back to him. Again, there's a sermon I haven't time to preach. But you can extrapolate from that a very general biblical truth. Whatever you bring to the Lord Jesus, he gives back to you in better shape than it ever was before, with greater fullness and with greater blessing. He brought his Son to the feet of Jesus, and the Lord Jesus gave him back, fully delivered.
0: listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org.